Today's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 26. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judah, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, "'Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their the ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you already have received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to continue to look with you at Luke's Gospel today, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 26. Can I encourage you to have a paper Bible open so you can read together with me Luke 6, 12 to 26, think about what it means and what it means for us on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. We'll ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege it is that we can learn from your word. Thank you that we can learn from the Lord Jesus Christ himself today as he teaches his first lesson to, the, to his disciples. We pray that we might, uh, we might take to heart this first lesson that he has for them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is the, the first thing that you would teach to a new Christian? to a new disciple of Jesus. Imagine a, a person comes up to you, they say, you're, you're one of these Christian people, aren't you? Well, I've just decided to become a Christian. I, I, I want to trust and follow Jesus. I, I want to be a Christian. What's the first thing I need to know? How would you answer? What, what, what would you say? What's the first thing that a disciple of Jesus needs to know? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think about it together. I'll get the leader to put you into some breakout rooms. Spend a couple of minutes thinking about this question. What is the first thing that you would teach to a new disciple of Jesus? Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, today we see, uh, we see Jesus call people to be his first apostles. And we see the first thing that he taught them. 
the first thing that Luke records Jesus teaching his disciples. Now, over these last few weeks, we've seen Jesus doing some amazing things, haven't we? He's, um, he's healed people. He's driven out demons. He's given the fishermen a miracle catch. People have, been, people have been amazed at the authority of his teaching. But at the same time, at the same time, we've seen a rising opposition to Jesus. He was rejected in his hometown. And then over these last two weeks, as we've met the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, we've seen five controversies, five controversies between Jesus and these religious leaders. Do you remember Jesus said uh, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were unhappy about it. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. They weren't happy about that. Jesus' disciples don't fast. They weren't happy about that. Jesus' disciples pick and eat grain on the Sabbath. They're not happy about that. And then Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Five controversies. And as we finished last week, as is now chapter 6 and verse 11, we saw that the religious leaders were plotting together what they might do to Jesus. Well, now in this next scene, Jesus spends a whole night in prayer. He's talking to God about who the apostles should be, who should be chosen to be his apostles. And notice this is, a, this is an important and a difficult decision. Uh, Jesus spends a whole night in prayer about it. Why will be, the, the apostles will become so important in the church? And also, Jesus knows that it's going to be a tough job. We've just seen the opposition against Jesus rising. The, the Pharisees, teachers of the law, plotting what they might do to Jesus. Jesus knows it's going to be the same for the apostles. Serving Jesus is going to be difficult. Morning comes and Jesus has made his choice. And it's a motley crew. Some fishermen, a tax collector, a political zealot, and a traitor. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Have a look with me. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus heads down to a level place. Uh, lots of people have come to him, and notice why they come. They come because of Jesus' power, because he can, he can help them in their lives. He can heal them. He can, he can drive out demons. He can fix up people's lives. Verse 17, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal town, coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. The crowds love Jesus for his power. They love him because he can make their lives better here and now on earth. Heal them, drive out their, disease, their, their, their demons. And surely that must have been at the forefront of the disciples thinking as well. 
and, and these 12 apostles. I mean, think of their experience of Jesus so far. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He, he helped them catch more fish than they could handle. He made, he's made the religious leaders look like fools. You can imagine, can't you, what the disciples were thinking. What were they thinking? We are on a winner here. Jesus is going to be the king, and we will be in the places of honour. There should be plenty of money, plenty of food, plenty of laughs, plenty of popularity, uh, lots of power, lots of influence. But now Jesus turns to his disciples. And for their first big lesson, he sets out the truth. Following him will bring great blessing. But not here on earth. Following him will bring great blessing, but not here on earth. First, he says they're going to be poor. Here on earth, for these disciples of Jesus, following Jesus will mean being poor. It will mean doing without, not having much money. But he says they'll have the blessing of being in God's kingdom. Verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And Jesus goes on to say that, that following him will mean, it'll mean going hungry. It'll mean weeping. It'll mean being hated and excluded and insulted and rejected. Following Jesus will not mean all the good things the disciples expect on earth. Following Jesus will be hard on earth. It will mean trouble. It will mean sadness. It will mean deprivation. It will mean sacrifice. It will mean persecution. But Jesus says it's worth it. It's worth it because like the prophets of old, they'll be teaching the truth about God. And profound joy awaits them in God's eternal kingdom. Verse 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. What Jesus has said it positively, the blessing he offers to his disciples is not for heaven is, is for heaven. The blessing he offers to his disciples is for heaven, not for earth. He said it positively, now he says it negatively. People who want instant reward, people who want their money and their food and their laughs and their popularity now will not want to follow Jesus. People who want to have it all here on earth, they won't be interested in the heavenly reward that Jesus offers. And Jesus says, people like that, people who want it all now, people who want it all here on earth, they might get what they want here on earth, but they won't follow him. They'll believe and teach false things about God and a terrible eternity awaits. Verse 24, but woe to you who are rich. For you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. All right, 
All right, can you see what's here in this passage? Jesus prayerfully chooses his apostles and he tells his disciples what to expect. In this world, as they follow Jesus, it will mean poverty and hunger and weeping and hatred and exclusion and insult and rejection. But following Jesus means they're part of God's kingdom and in the new age, in heaven, they can look forward to satisfaction and joy and laughter and vindication. And then Jesus says it negatively. People who want to focus their lives on the here and now, people who want to focus on getting, getting money and food and laughs and popularity, they will not make it as disciples. They might get what they want here on earth, but they're facing a woeful eternity. Let me try to summarize it in one sentence. Here's the first lesson Jesus has for his disciples. If you want to follow him, you need to value heaven above earth. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to value heaven above earth. Friends, it was the first thing Jesus taught his disciples. And, and as we work our way through the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see him say it over and over and over and over again. He's constantly going to tell them, I am going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. You want to follow me, you'll have to deny yourself, pick up your cross. It's about valuing heaven above earth. But while Jesus' disciples were with him, they just could not seem to get it. Uh, jump forward with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 24. Uh, so we come to the end of Jesus' ministry here in Luke 22. Jesus has just shared the last supper with his disciples. It's the night before he's going to die on the cross. He's been with them for three years. For three years he's been telling them, expect that I will die. For three years he's been telling them, expect suffering now and blessing in heaven. But there at the last supper... The disciples have a bit of an argument. And have a look at what they were fighting about. Luke chapter 22 and verse 24. Luke 22 verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. They just don't get it. And so again, Jesus has to tell them. He says, I am giving you a kingdom, but it's not for now. It's not on earth. It's not for this world. It's not for this age. Verse 25, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Even on that last supper, the disciples didn't get this first lesson. Value heaven above earth. 
It wasn't until they were filled with God's Spirit that they, the disciples finally got it. And just to give you one example from, from Acts chapter 5, uh, jump with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, uh, Peter and John, two of the uh, apostles, they've been, they've been telling everyone about Jesus. They get arrested. The, the, the court wants to put them to death. One of the members uh, of the court convinces them, don't kill the disciples. But look what happens. This, this is Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. Now, his speech persuaded them not, not to kill the apostles. Then they called the apostles in and had them flogged, whipped, tortured. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, the court, groaning with pain. No, no. The apostles left the Sanhedrin angry with God that he would allow them to be whipped for telling people about Jesus. No. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Finally, they've got it. Finally, they've got what Jesus said all the way back when he first chose them. Value heaven above earth. Rejoice when you're persecuted because great is your reward in heaven. All right. So there's the first thing Jesus taught to his disciples. He taught them to value heaven above earth. Give up the things of earth to follow him to Jerusalem and go to the cross. How does that compare with what we were saying at the beginning when we discussed the first thing we would teach to a new Christian? Wouldn't have been on my list to say value heaven above earth. I suspect it wouldn't be on the list of very many comfortable modern Western Christians at all. Now, of course, we're not disciples in exactly the same sense as these disciples in Luke chapter 6. We don't literally physically follow Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to, 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 to die on the cross. Uh, for us, for them, to follow Jesus to Jerusalem and to the cross literally meant giving up all of the stuff that they had and being willing to go and die with him. We, we can't do that. That'll happen long ago and far away. We live on, we live on the other side of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, for us, what we need to do is not physically follow Jesus to Jerusalem, give up everything, suffer and die. What, for, for us, what we need to do is to trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross. We need to put our faith in him. We need to rely on his death and resurrection. We need to submit to him as our eternal king. Uh, being a disciple today is not exactly the same thing as it was for a person there with Jesus before he died and rose again. It's different on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But yet the New Testament is perfectly clear about it. If you want to belong to Jesus today, you need to learn this lesson. You need to learn this fundamental, basic lesson. You need to learn to value the things of heaven more than the things of earth. You need to put Jesus and heaven above the stuff of this life. You see it over and over again in the New Testament. Now, for example, when, when Paul writes to the Romans, he, he talks about what it, what it means to be a child of God in this age. And, and he says this, he says, We are God's children, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. 
suffering on earth, then glory. That's the pattern. Now, friends, you can live your life for money. You can live your life for food. You can live your life for popularity and success. And you might get these things. In fact, many of us have these things. But if the pursuit of these things leads us away from Jesus, if they make us less committed to Jesus, less sold out on Jesus, less convinced about Jesus, less, less enthusiastic in our service of Jesus, if, they, if these things of, of earth lead us away from Jesus, then we're, we're in profound danger. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, he reminds us that those who want to get rich, this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The Apostle John says something similar. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Are you getting the picture? This is foundational. This is basic. This is Christianity 101. If you want to be a Christian, you need to choose Jesus over money. You need to choose Jesus over food. You need to choose Jesus over popularity. If you don't get this, if you keep loving the world, if you keep wanting to hold on to all of the stuff here and now, you might not make it. You might miss out on heaven. You might be one of those people for whom Jesus says there is a woeful eternity. It's a basic lesson, friends. But it's not an easy one to live, is it? Especially not for wealthy, successful people like us. For most of us, the temptation is constant. The temptation to have a foot in both camps, to, have, to make an each-way bet on Jesus, to, to say... Oh, of course I want Jesus, but I also want to have everything on earth. I want everything on earth and then I want heaven as well. It's a hard lesson for people like us who have it all on earth. So what can we do? What can we do? How can we, how can we value heaven above earth in practice? Let me give you something to memorize. Uh, something to memorize that, that might help us as we, try to, as we try to put into practice valuing heaven above earth. Here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion. We need to be hogs. We need to be hogs. Uh, not literal hogs. I'm not talking about our table manners. Uh, hog, hog is an ac acronym. It's an acronym. H-O-G. Uh, the H? The H stands for... It stands for humble. See, one of the big dangers for Christians like us who have it all on earth, who are wealthy and successful, one of the big dangers for us is this. We can become arrogant. We can start to rely on ourselves instead of Jesus, start to think that we're in control instead of Jesus. We can start to think we're better than other people. Paul talks about this in his letter to Timothy. He says this is 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Jesus says something similar in the book of Revelation to the wealthy church in Laodicea. He says, because of, of all your wealth, you've forgotten how desperately you need me. 
And he says, you're in danger. You're in danger that I'll spit you out of my mouth. We need to be humble. We need to constantly preach the gospel to ourselves. Constantly remind ourselves we are sinners who are utterly dependent on the sheer grace of God in Jesus. We need Jesus. We need forgiveness. We are no better than anyone else. That's the H. Humble. Let me give you an action to go with it for the kinetic learners to help us memorize this. We need to be humble. Now do it with me. Christians need to be, we need to be hogs, okay? The H, we need to be humble. Uh, next in hog, next in hog is the O. Uh, the O stands for open. Now, another big temptation for Christians like us who have it all here on earth is this. We censor ourselves. We keep silent about Jesus. Uh, we don't want to risk our money. We don't want to risk our jobs. We don't want to risk our comfortable lives. We don't want to lose our popularity. We don't want to risk what we have here on earth. And so we keep a low profile. Friends, it's a clear sign that we value earth over heaven. So instead, we need to strive to be open, to be bold Christians, to be overt Christians, to be in-your-face, talk-about-Jesus-all-the-time Christians, oh, even when we know it will be embarrassing, even when we know it will make people hate us or exclude us or insult us, even when we know it will cost us our earthly stuff, we need to be open and boldly Christian. We're quick to excuse our silence. And more and more, uh, I'm hearing people come up with this excuse that <clears throat> they say, we don't want to put people off. We don't want to be one of these crazy Christians who puts people off. Friends, it's not our problem. We're kidding ourselves. What we are really doing is valuing the stuff of earth more than heaven. That's why we're silent. That's why we censor ourselves. So friends, let's be open. Open, here's the action to go with it, humble and open. Humble and open. Brings us to the G. Uh, the G in hog. The G in hog stands for generous. Again, the Apostle Paul puts this very clearly to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He's telling Timothy what to teach people who are rich in this present world. And he says this. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's a simple solution, but it's a painful solution, isn't it? If the things that you have on earth are distracting you from Jesus, give them away. If the things that you have on earth are making you a worse Christian, give them away. If the things that you have on earth are making you a less enthusiastic, open, serious Christian, give them away. If you want to show that you really do value heaven more than earth, give your earthly stuff away. If you want some quick suggestions, here are three. Prez 8 is coming up at Easter. Give generously to it. 
our church is tens of thousands of dollars behind budget. It was last year, it is already $30,000 or something behind budget this year. Uh, and we owe nearly $2 million in our building project. I mean, it's your money, give it to whatever you want. But there are three suggestions, three ways to use your earthly stuff for heavenly gain. Three ways to show that you value God and his kingdom and heaven more than the stuff of this world. The point is this, and that, that is the point, isn't it? We show that we value heaven over earth by being generous. Now, here's the action. Humble, open, and generous. Humble, open, and generous. Friends, it, it's a basic lesson. It's Christianity 101. It's the first lesson Jesus gave to his disciples. Heaven is more valuable than earth. So how do we reflect that? By being hogs. Humble, open, generous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so sorry for the way that we show our lack of faith in you and our fear and our clinging to this world by the way that we love the stuff of this world more than you, by the way we value the stuff of this world more than you. We're sorry for our arrogance. We're sorry for our, our silence. We're sorry for our stinginess. Please forgive us. Please help us genuinely to value heaven above earth, genuinely to trust Jesus, and genuinely to respond by being humble, by being open, by being generous. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.